Well, good morning, everybody. I'm sorry, I went to go turn my pack on before coming on, and I was like, the batteries are dead. Let's go to the back and get some batteries. Uh, <laughs> Whew. All right, so uh, what I'd like you to do is open up your Bibles to Ephesians 4, is where we're going to spend some time at this morning. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, you, can, uh, you can reach back into the chair underneath you, or there should be one around, but also you can download our app, you can get the Bible on there, you can get our notes for today in, the, in our app as well. Uh, we encourage you to, uh, especially if you're at home, because you probably don't see the notes very well on there, and so, uh, uh, but we encourage you to do that. Uh, one other thing that I want to announce before I kind of dive in, because I'll forget, is that next Saturday is our women's beach trip. Um, so, so get registered, at least let her know you're going, whatever, you know, just make sure that we, uh, so if you're going to go, that's awesome. If you're not going to go, that's awesome too. Enjoy your Saturday, whatever you have planned. Um, <laughs> like I'm, I'm re-trying to focus myself here right now. So we're in this series, uh, we're trying to finish through Ephesians, and as we're trying to go through this, and we've been kind of, I've been trying to figure out how I wanted to go through this. So if you guys didn't know, and if you know me at all, if you've attended our church online, if you've been here at all, uh, I'm very topical. I like to bounce around. I like to go through different things. And so going book by book through the Bible is a little bit of a challenge for me just because I, for the last 12 years I've been preaching topically, right? And so now it's kind of a shift of gears. So now what I'm going to do is I'm gonna, I take the things that I read and I turn it into a topic. That's what, I, you know, it's, it's like, how are we going to do this? And so today, last week we talked about our P's and this week we're going to talk about our E's. So we're going to talk about the three E's of developing disciples. And so what I want you to know, and this is actually an important thing, is that if you, if you consider yourself to be a disciple of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're actually not a disciple until you actually make another disciple. You're not a disciple of Jesus until you make another disciple of Jesus. Because Jesus told you, he said, here's your commandment, love God, love others, and go and make disciples, right? That's what he said. He said, go tell the entire world about me and go make a disciple. So our job is to be disciple makers. And often we don't consider ourselves disciple makers. We consider ourselves church attenders. We show up to church. We do things at church. We show, we go, hey, let's go to the potluck. Let's go to this thing. Let's go to that thing. And granted, COVID has been one of these things that's put the church in a whole tailspin, right? We, you know, We've got more people watching from home than ever before. We've turned it into a casual couch thing. And the problem is, is that the church actually needs people more than ever right now from what we're seeing in our communities, in our, in our nation, in our world. We're seeing this and the church is supposed to be called to action now and we're too busy with our feet kicked up on the couch. We're like, I'm watching service from home. And this is where I'm supposed to be at. And that's, that's, that's not where the church needs to be at right now. The church needs to be in this position that we're supposed to be out doing this work and making disciples, but we're so caught up and going, I want to be comfortable. I'm afraid of this. Or I'm afraid of that. And really, they're just excuses because I talk to people, and I'm, and I'm a little bit of a soapbox right now, and so I apologize for this, but I talk to people and they go, they go, you know, Mike, the COVID thing, I'm still really scared. And I go, okay, well, then why did you go to the movie theater? Uh, the COVID thing, I'm really still really scared. I'm really scared about being around people. Well, why were you in Home Depot shopping for stuff with no mask on? You, you see, it's a, it's a great excuse for church, 
but it's not a great excuse for going out and living your life still, right? You're like, oh, I don't have, Mike, this is just, you're just going to find this is just my perfect excuse, is that I, I, I don't, I, you know, I can just go, hey, COVID is making it to where I don't come to church. You got people in there on mass. You got this, you got that. But you're still out doing everything else except for church. Except for church. You're just coming, you're just like, oh. And every once in a while, you might be what we would call a Facebook attender. You spend 39 seconds on there, you get a, you get a glimpse of it, and you're like, oh, I got church. See, that's not what we're called to do. See, that's the problem is that, see, we're, we're called to be equippers. We're called to equip other disciples. We have a job to do. We have something that we've been called to do. See, Jesus gave us a task, and it was not to sit at home on our couch. It wasn't sitting, you know, I'll be honest with you. I can tell you right now that if Jesus was preaching today, if he was to be, if he was to, if, if and granted, he had to show up exactly when he showed up, but if he showed up today and he saw what we were doing now, I think the first thing he would say is that you need to put down the, t the telephone, you need to put down the TV remote, and you need to get to work. I think that's the first thing he would say, because the problem is we've allowed distractions and comforts to prevent us from doing the actual work that he's asked us to do. You know, we, we've gone, hey, this is what I'm supposed to do here. I'm supposed to do these things. But the, the bare essentials of being a disciple of Jesus is to make another disciple. So here's what we're going to do. So in Ephesians 4, we're going to start off uh, I'm jumping ahead, so if you thought we were going to start at 7, you're incorrect, we're jumping to 11. And so in verse 11, it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Now, here's the thing. Oh, man, we, we are really dark up here. It's a party. Forgive me. I, you know, I'm like, wow, it's really dark. No wonder why we can't see me on TV or whatever, wherever you're watching from. They should be in person. That's right. It's dark, but, uh, ah, welcome. Uh, so let's go back to this. So Christ gave himself the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Now, you may be wondering where you fit at in these categories, because all of us kind of land into one of these categories. A lot of times we just go, oh, no, no, no. I'm not an apostle, I'm not a prophet, I'm not an evangelist. I'm definitely not a pastor, I'm not a teacher. Here's the thing, all of you fall into one of those categories. All of you do. See, you've got gifts, you've been taught, you, you know, and see, here's the thing, if you have a friend out there someplace that's as far from Jesus, guess what? You're an evangelist. You've already made the relationship. You have a friend. Now, be, now evangelize to them. Have a conversation, love on them. Go, hey, let's get in front of church, you know, and see, the problem is we have too many, too many of these normal conversations with people. We have too many of these, hey, let's just hang out, let's talk, let's, you know, let's, let's just do life together, but then you don't even bring up Jesus. You know that they don't go to church, you know that they don't, you know, that you don't, they don't have a good relationship with Jesus. You don't even bring it up to them. You just go, you just carry on your day instead of evangelizing to them, and you're like, and, and so what I want you to know is what you're telling those people is you should go to hell. That's what you're telling them. Because if they're not going to heaven and you're not trying to help them, then they're going to hell. We all go to one of two places. We all do. And so you start looking at this and go, and so it's important that you start living this life that is oozing Jesus. This life that you have to be, you have to be, so when people get to know you in Acts, when you go back, so in this case, you go back a couple books and you look at Acts, you get to, you get to in Acts 3, they don't call themselves Christians. They are called Christians because of how they act, how they live, how they, how they do life. Does your life 
represent that of a Christian. Rick Warren uses the line, is there enough evidence in your life to convict you of Christianity? Is there enough evidence in your life? Do your friends go, he's a Christian, other than you saying, I'm a Christian? Because you can call yourself a Christian all day long and not be very Christ-like. And so here's what it is. So we go back to this. The pastors and teachers equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be what? May be built up. May be built up. So here's the thing. All of us walk in here as infants. You know, if you're on site, there's, a, there's an infant crying on site, right? And this is a perfect, it's great for my analogy. And so we all walk in to Christianity in that position, right? We walk in, we're crying, we don't know what we're after, we, and people around us are trying to help us. You're like, hey, you want some, you know, is it a, is it a bottle? Is it this? Is it that? You know, like, what, what's going on? How can we help? What can we do? How can we make this a, how can we make it to where that baby be quiet? But that, that, that's what happens, right? That's how we get. And so as, as Christians, as new Christians, we walk in and we're trying to go, okay, I want everything I can. I want this. I want that. Give me a bottle. Give me this. The problem is, is that we can't stay as an infant for our entire Christian walk. We cannot stay as an infant for our entire Christian walk. We're supposed to be growing. And at some point you go from milk to meat, right? You, at some point you got to go from where you're at to the meat. And so if your life is not progressing, if you've not been built up, if you've not been equipped, your life is not being built up. The church is failing because us, the church, not the building, not the pastor, us, the church is failing. We're, we've, we've gotten too comfortable with, I'm going to show up to church on Sunday and then I'm going to be, I'm going to go back out. And I'm going to be a heathen Monday. And see, we have to get back to this. We have to get to where you know, so when you read in Acts, and granted, in Acts, they broke bread daily. In Acts, they did life together. In Acts, that you see, you see what the church looks like. Now, Paul had to write 19 letters in order to make up for the church in Acts, but you have to look and you have to see what was it like? What were they doing? How were things interacting? What you, were people being built up? Were people being taken care of? Were people being loved? Whew! No, it's not happening today. It did then, but now we don't see it today. That's the reason why in... in 63 AD, the church is exploding by thousands and thousands at a time. And in 2022, the church is declining by thousands and thousands at a time. Our lives do not look like what they're supposed to look like. They're we're not acting the way that a Christian would act. We, we've gotten to this point where we just tell everybody around us, I don't care if you go to hell. I just don't care. Because I want to be comfortable. And, and I know... I know, I know, I know. I apologize. I'll just make it clear. Welcome to the edge where I'm here to make you feel good about yourself. <laughs> See, I, I don't do that. I, I, you know, sometimes I do. I, I try and do my best to make it to where you leave here, you have laughs, you do all that stuff. But often, we have to have a message that you start to realize we have work to do. We have a job to go do. We ha we, we're called. You know, and so each one of us has been given a talent. Each one of us has been given something to go do. Some of you have this gift of discernment. You can read people. Some of you have this gift of evangelizing. Some of you have this, you have this gift of teaching, and you're not using it. You're just like, no, I'm going to sit on the sidelines. I'm not going to do what God has called me to do because it's going to put me outside of my comfort zone. And it says, let's go back to this. So the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. 
So, let's ask this question. And you can just, I don't, want to, I don't want you to raise your hand. You can even, I don't want you to put amen in the box or anything. I just want you to go. Here's what I want you to think about. Are you a mature Christian? Would you say that you've reached complete maturity as a Christian? And, and see, a lot of us, we're going to go, yeah, I think I'm pretty much, and I would say most of us are adolescent teenagers. That's what I would say. Most of us were adolescent teenagers. And if you have ever raised a teenager, you know how teenagers are, right? Teenagers walk in the door and they, you know, so, hey, let's go out. They walk in the door, they, they, they dress, you know, however they dress now. Let's just go back to when my, when my oldest was a teenager, she would, she would, she would come into the room and she would have one thing on and then she would step out the house and she would go where she was going and another thing would be on, right? You know, and see, that's what our problem is as as adolescent teenage Christians, we come before God, oh God, God, please, please forgive me, please give me salvation, please give me this new life, and then we step right back into the old life. Knowing full well that we were going to step back into the old life. Knowing full well that we were going to go back to the sin that we were just asking forgiveness for. You know, it's kind of, it's, 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 it's a terrible place to be. And so when we go, have we reached the fullness of Christ? And now I'd say we're, we are far from it. You know, we are far from it. Then, and by the way, that whole infants thing right here, then we will no longer be infants and tossed back and forth by the waves. How many of us have just been tossed back and forth by the waves of this life? So we have COVID, we have anger, we have job loss, we have this, we have that, and we're just tossed back and forth by the waves of this life. And it's like the strongest wind can come and blow us off of our path with God. It's just this, it, it, or maybe even the smallest wind can just come and blow us off. And it says, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Woo! Think about this. How many people have stopped following christ because they listen to somebody else saying i can't believe you believe that i can't believe that you go in that direction i can't believe this that is deceitful scheming of those out there that the devil is starting to use and and, and, and the the evil one whatever you want to call him that satan satan is using to pull you off of the path that he's that god has placed you on such you are walking side by side with jesus and we just go no 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 I, I, I love my friends. Your friends are, are what's making it to where you're drifting off the path to destruction. You know, you know it's, it's just a terrible thing. And so I would say you have to be the one that's bringing your friends on the path of life. You know, and see, see, Paul told us, go hang out with them. But he said, don't become them. He said, go hang out with them, but don't become them. See, the, the thing, I, you know, we hired somebody years ago, um, and, uh, <laughs> and I apologize if you live in one of the neighborhoods that I'll mention, and, and so we're hiring them, they're coming from Michigan, right, they came from Michigan, and as we were out trying to search for the house that we were going to place them into, that we were trying to do this, and we said, hey, we should avoid some streets, and we said, we should avoid Grande Circle, we should avoid Phoenix Drive, we should avoid, you know, Dana Drive, and, uh, and so if you live on one of those streets, you kind of know why I was talking about this, but if you don't, uh, and if you, and so, but just think, and, he got, and the guy goes, here's what he tells me, he goes, why? I said, they're, they're kind of rough neighborhoods. And, 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 and here, where he ministered to me, he goes, he goes, hey, if we don't bring the light to those neighborhoods, then we've given up on those neighborhoods. 
He's also, we need to get as many Christians living there as possible so that we have life, that we have energy that's brought to this, that we have, that we have this newness to where people see that there is hope and there's a better way, that they don't have to continue to live in this manner of destruction that they're going. And see, the problem is, is that we, we go, so, oh, no, no, I need to be comfortable. You know, there's, there's this happening, and there's, there's these things that are happening out there. There's drug deals happening. There's this that's happening. But if there's nobody bringing the light, they see no better way, and it's the only way that they continue to go with this. You know, they just keep going, I have to live like this, because this is where God placed me. We have to bring the light to these neighborhoods, and not just to deliver, here, here's some gifts, here, here's some food. We need to actually show up and deliver love, and be there and do the work, and go, you, you know, and that's why I would highly encourage you <laughs> so I, I'll be careful here because I think some of us we get I encourage you to give towards leaven but I also encourage you to support a church that's supporting the leaven right you know so and the reason why I would say give towards leaven because guess where they set up all of their facilities they set them all up in underprivileged and in neighborhoods that you go I wouldn't want to live there well that's exactly where they go to help reach kids that's exactly where they go instead so verse 15 so instead speaking in the truth in the truth in love we will be we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is christ from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work important Underline that last part, underline it in my notes. You can underline it in your Bible. Each part does its work. Paul gives us clarity where this line comes from is because he said all of us are a part of the body. Some of us, he even uses the analogy, all of us can't be eyes, all of us can't be noses, all of us can't be ears. We all are part of the body. We all make up what this happens. And so how do we do this? How do we grow? And, and so you're starting to wonder, Mike, where are the three E's that you were talking about? Here we go. So number one, what we need to do as Christians, we need to create the right environment. You want to make disciples? We need to create the right environments to make disciples. So here's the thing. You cannot have an environment that pushes people off, that makes it to where people don't want to come, that makes it to where, hey, come to my thing, come do this. We need to create an environment that makes it to where people are like, I want to be there right i want to be there like here's the thing <clears throat> i'm a giants fan you might be an a's fan you might be no you might hate baseball great the giants kind of suck this year they just want you to that, right they're not they're like they're 500 they're just not great right but here's the thing Twenty thousand people showed up yesterday to, or well yesterday was actually an abnormality because they hired a number but the day before twenty thousand people showed up to the game for a team that is not doing well why it's the environment, right? They show up for the environment. They show up for people that are going to be rooting for the same thing. They're going to be doing the same thing. It's exciting. Church needs to be the right environment. It needs to be a place that we're doing things. And it's not just this building, by the way. It's not just, hey, show up to our thing and come to this. The environment everywhere. We need to go everywhere out there. And see, we need to go out and we need to go and, and be in these different, we need to create an environment in different places. On Saturday, while you guys are out doing a women's beach trip on Saturday, we're going to be over at uh, the new K1 Raceway, and we're going to be part of their environment. We're going to bring out some bounce houses. We're going to be part of stuff just to be able to say, hey, we're going to reach people and love on them while they're doing this grand opening over here. We just want to be able to come over there. 
So here's the thing. Nobody ever signs up to be a Christian to live a boring life. Jesus never said, hey, follow me and you will sleep like a baby. You'll be bored. You'll, 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 no. He says you're going you're gonna to experience things. You're going to experience this and more. And so disciples do what disciples experience, by the way. Disciples do what disciples experience. So if all you've experienced is a stuck-in-the-mud church, you will be a stuck-in-the-mud person. Right? You know, that's just how it is. If, you, if it's a disciple, you've never gone out, you've never done outreach, you've never done any of that stuff, you've always had this judgmental, you know, you walked in, I went to a church one time, I'm not going to say the name of the church, I walked in, I was dressed very similar how I'm dressed now, and they said, you can't come in like that. So what? Nope. You're not in your Sunday best. How do you know that? How do you know that? You don't know. I mean, you have no idea. But that, they just assume, right? The disciples do what disciples experience. <clears throat> Next thing. This one here is kind of an interesting one. Disciple, discipleship is more caught than taught. Discipleship is more caught than taught. And the reason why is that it's the more that, you, that, more that people see you do, the more that they pick up those habits. Discipleship is more caught as they see you doing things. So at your house, when was the last time that, you saw, that your children saw you reading the Bible? You know, if your children don't see you reading the Bible, why would they ever read the Bible? Why would they ever spend time with you? Like, if they ever see you reading the Word, when was the last time your kids saw you going and doing something that was outreach-oriented? When was the last time your kids heard you talking about Christ at home? When was the last time you prayed together? When was the last time you did any of those things? So if you're trying to raise up little disciples called children, and if you're not doing those things, then you're raising up little heathens like I was. That's just what happens. You know, like I was a kid, I was raised up. My mom took me to church every Sunday. I went, to, and granted, I was raised Catholic, so church was a whole lot different. I hated all of it. It was taught in Latin. I was like, oh my God, what is happening here? But then I got a little older, and I started making my decisions, and I go, church didn't mean that much to me, and so I ran from the church because I'd never really spent much time in the Word. I never really spent much time in prayer. I never really spent much time doing things that would be outreach-oriented, I just kind of showed up on Sundays. And now, granted, I was on the choir, I did those things, but that didn't make me a Christian, right? That didn't make me a follower. Discipleship is more caught than taught. The right environment allows people who are good to get even better, right? The right environment allows people who are good to get even better. And by that word being good, good, I mean that if you are if you are a person that is reading your Bible, that you are spending time in prayer, if you're around people that do more of that, then guess what happens? You do more of that. You are who you hang out with, by the way. So if you hang out, just, you know, just give you a perfect example. If you hang out with a whole bunch of meth addicts, you're probably a meth addict. That's just how it is. If you hang out with a whole bunch of alcoholics, you're probably an alcoholic. If you're hanging out with a whole bunch of Christians, you're probably a Christian. That's just, you are who you hang out with. And so if you look at your four closest friends, and you would go, who is it that I'm hanging out with? And some of you don't even have four friends. Some of you, so you can just look at the two people you're hanging out with, or maybe if you're a guy, you just hang out by yourself. And so if you're hanging out, you just have to do some really good self-assessment and go, what am I? Because I don't even, people don't even want to hang out with me. You know, that's how bad it is. The right environment allows people who are good to get better. Number two, see, 
as, as in discipleship, the, one of the key things that we need to do to develop disciples is we need to equip them. We need to be in, in an equipping mindset. See, we, and, and if, you, if you go into this even in, in the, the deeper into this, you would see that we need to equip the saints to do the work is what the scripture tells us. We need to equip them to go and do this and go out and be disciples. So well, how do we do that? Disciples do what disciples learn. Right? There is a learning aspect for this. So how much time are you spending in scripture? How much time are you spending in, in, in doing, you know, so you have to learn things. You can't just be like, hey, I'm going to show up here. I'm here for my social hour. I'm online for my social hour. I'm in my Zoom for social hour. I'm doing this and then bounce out and never learn anything. You have to come in with the intentional mindset of going, I'm here to learn. I'm here to, you know, yeah, he might be funny. He might be entertaining. He might make me feel good about myself. He might make me feel bad about myself, whatever it is. You have to come in with the specific intent of going, but I'm here to learn something. I'm just not here for one, you know, like whatever it is. You have to be here to be equipped. And our job is to go out and equip everybody else. Equip them. The function of discipleship is to produce more disciples. That's the function of discipleship. Our calling is to go and produce more disciples. All right. And so what, how do we... How do we, so where does that start at? What do we have to do? So number one, equipping begins with expectations. How well do we, ex, do we lay out expectations for people? So when they walk in, we always want to make service feel good, right? We're like, hey, come on in. Service is going to be great. It's going to be about an hour. It's going to have this, going to have that. We, we give them an expectation of how service is going to be. But do we give them an expectation of going, you're here to be equipped to go out and do the work of the saints? We need to be having that that. And, and, and we need to be doing this on a regular basis. See, discipleship determines growth. How you disciple somebody determines how far they grow. So here's the thing. Churches, we have this amazing opportunity. When people walk in the door, we go, hey, you committed sin, you get saved. And from saved, you get down to this point where you go, hey, let's get you into a discipleship program. Let's get you giving. And then we go right back out and we go back and do some more saving of other people. But we forgot that the process doesn't end there. It continues going. We need to do more discipleship, get you trained so that you can go out and make more disciples. So, you know, it's, it's a, we just get stuck in this vicious circle of getting them in the building, getting get them in a small group, get them committed into doing whatever it is that we need them to do around the church. And then all of a sudden we're like, hey, we've forgotten that there's a whole harvest field, that there's missing workers. Uh, discipleship, one of the things that is a definition one of the things that we need to make sure that we know, discipleship can be learned. It can be learned. You, it's not just one of these things that it's, it, some people, they just end up, they're born and they're super Christians. It's not, it's not how it works. It's learned. It's a learned behavior. And then each disciple is called to equip another disciple. And what's the last thing? How do we do this? How do we make it happen? <laughs> so we've talked about, we need to make it to where the environment is right. We need to make it to where that we're equipping people, but most importantly, they need to be exposed. And so you have to have this exposure that comes out of this. See, disciples do what disciples see. Disciples do what the disciples see. And, and so here's the, here's the thing. If we are living as we are called to live, as, 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 as the Christians that we're called to be, the followers of Christ that we're called to be, all the stereotypes that people label Christians with will go away. Have you ever noticed that if, you, if we were to go on Google right now, and you, if you just put this question in, why are Christians so, and, you'll, and, and if you just allow it to do its autofill, just put A, and you'll see, <laughs> you'll get, 
Why are they such a-holes? Why are they this? Why are they that? And then you'll get the next one. You just put it into the next layer. You know, why are they such, and you put the B, and you're going to get the B word, and you're going to get all these things, right? You go all the way down. Why are they so judgmental? Why are they this? You just have that autofill feature turned on for Google, and you'll start to realize that we need to make it to where we start to change that perception because we are known for being judgmental. We are known for what we're against, but why aren't we telling people what we are for? How are we get better at going, hey, this is what we are for. This is what the church should be known for. Anybody ever realize that the church does more than anybody can ever imagine? We're here, <laughs> not just our church, just take the global church in general. So number one, the church delivers more babies than any other for-profit hospital in the world. We, the church delivers more. So understand, CHS, Catholic Health Care Services. CMS, you, know, you, have these, you have Methodist churches. You have all these things that are running hospitals. You, you go out to Napa. Anybody ever been to the hospital in Napa? It's a Catholic hospital. You know, when you start going to these places, the church is run, the Queen of the Valley. We're running more and more babies are delivered at Catholic and Christian-ran facilities than any other place. We bury more people than any other place. If you go to all the cemeteries, guess what they have? They have a Christian area, they have a Catholic area, and they have those that they call the lost. <laughs> so when you go there, they're like, oh, you want to be, you want to be in our, this field. Not, you know, and so you have, you have these different places. Think about this. We do, we do baptisms. We help with adoptions. We help with placing people in foster care. We do all of these things. That's what the church does. And just, you got to step out of it from where we're, in the 1930s, the church started being less and less and less and less in the world because we've allowed the government to do more and more and more in the world. And we start to wonder, why is it that we are having, why is it that, <laughs> why is it that the foster care system is broken? Well, when have you known that to be efficient? When have you known that to be efficient? I mean, just tell me, efficient is when you owe them money. They're efficient then. You, they'll show up, they know, knock on your door, all those things. But if they owe you money, Six to eight weeks. Could you imagine if you told them, I'll send it to you in six to eight weeks? Oh no, we'll just take it from your bank account. That's how it goes. The government's only efficient in collecting money. They're not efficient in health care. They're not efficient in, in adoptions. They're not efficient in foster care. They're not efficient in actually helping people from, if you're on welfare. All of these things the church did before the 1930s, and the church was very successful at it. We never had issues. Now we had big orphanages, because a lot of people weren't adopting back then. More people were giving up kids, and then we were allowing kids. But I'm just telling you is that you have to start seeing this. And so what I'm, the point of this, a little bit of exposure upsets a lot of theory. A little bit of exposure upsets a lot of theory, because a lot of people go, well, what does the church do? Well, the church does a lot. So all of those things prior to the 1930s that we just talked about that happened in the United States, well, guess what? We still do it all everywhere else in the world except for the United States. We still do it everywhere else. Orphanages still exist, and especially when you start going to, you start getting to the African continent, you start getting to the Asian continent, you get to India. We, all of that is, all of the social services are almost completely ran by Christian organizations. Almost all of it. A little bit of exposure ups, you know, will change and upsets a lot of theory. And so, and then we need to get better at exposing ourselves to disciples, right? Exposed disciples to great disciples. Hey, I got a typo here. And so, um, exposed disciples to great disciples. So you need to start seeing this and go, who are these great disciples out there? Look and see who people are that are great followers of Christ. 
Who are people that just did the work and you start seeing, and you go, man, this is, I, that's somebody I want to emulate. That's those type of things. And then the last one that I have here is the blank, exposed disciples to the works of Jesus, right? We forget so much of what Jesus did. We, we forget all of these things and we get so caught up and just allowing and just allowing, go, oh, the church does this and the church does this of today rather than what Jesus did and what we're called to do today. And so we have to get back to growing disciples. We have to get back to this mindset of going, how do we equip people to do the work that God has asked us to do? That's what this is all about today. We have to make disciples and we have to equip people to do the work. Now, here's the thing. For the last, say the last 40 years of church, what's happened is traditionally the mindset of the people that attend the church is the pastor will do it. The pastor will go out and the pastor will go reach people. The pastor will go do this. The pastor will go to the, all these events. The pastor will show up at everybody's birthday party. The, ba- the pastor will do this. And see, here's the problem. That's not the pastor's calling, right? It's not. That's not the, so if he's called to be a pastor, just think about it. A pastor, is, if you go back into the Word and you start looking at what do they do? They go out with, with sheep out into the fields, that's what they're doing. They're out there guiding you and taking care of you. They're not showing up to your birthday party. You know, hey, little lamb, it's your birthday. Let me be there for you. No, they're not that way. That's not what's happening. And so we have this high expectation of the pastor to do that. But also we have this expectation that if you, have, if you go to a church that is a teaching pastor, you put that expectation of them on for, uh, you know, hey, you're going to show up for this and you're going to show up for that. And then you have these, ex- you know, you just start looking at it. And, you know, and you start seeing the apostles. You know, the apostles are the ones that are going to go out and plant churches. And those that are, that are, that you start to see the ones that are called for, you just kind of start thinking about what is it that you're called for? What is it that you're supposed to be doing? What is it, and how, and, 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 and then here's the big question, really what this needs to end on is, how can we help equip you to do those things? How can we, what can we do? And that's really what the big question comes down to. What can we do as a church to help equip you to do the work that Jesus has called you to do? That's probably the biggest question because most of us, we don't go, well, where do I start? What am I supposed to do? Do you need, a, if you want, we can give you spiritual gifts test. If you want, we can give you, we have that. We have all those things available. Just give us your email address. We'll send you a spiritual gifts test today by the end of the day. If you want that, just let us know. We'll send it. If you need, if it's, hey, can you support us in this ministry? Can you be in prayer for us for this ministry? Can you be in prayer for my future small group? Can you be, but where is it that God is calling you to work and why haven't you stepped into it? Why aren't you doing it? Why is it that you're just like, nope, I'm just going to kick my feet up on the couch and I'm just going to watch my, I'm going to watch my church service and treat it as if it's Netflix. That's how we've gotten. You know, the problem is you'll never binge watch church, right? You know, you're like, oh, I got to get through all of this series. And, you know, you, <laughs> no, you just pick it up and you're like, oh, let me get to this. And then what you do is you fast forward. You're like, oh, let me fast forward a little bit. Let me get to this. Let me go back. You know, and we don't, you know, we treat it as Netflix and church is not Netflix. I got to tell you that now. Church is not Netflix. You know, church is, it's really this whole thing of us coming together to be in community. You know, I, I was just out in the lobby just as we were talking about it and I go, it's so difficult that we've made it to where it's so convenient. We got so many people that are watching online right now. There's more people watching online right now than there are in this building. And so when you start looking at it, you go, we have so many people that are watching there and so many people that are in here, but you start looking and go, if you're at home, I, I love you guys, but the problem is you're supposed to be here. 
And I'm not trying to guilt people. I'm not trying to do that at all. But the thing is, is that we're supposed to be in community together. We're supposed to be that way. We're supposed to come together and love one another. We're supposed to help one another. We're supposed to be uplifting. And now, of course, there's people that are sick. There's people that are trying to take care of somebody. That's what the intent of having this is. Or you're on vacation. You went camping. You did those things. That's what the intent of it. But if we're just making a conscious decision to sit at home rather than go to church, that's, that's where it's a problem. Because we've made this decision. We get up, we're like, oh, no, 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 I'm just going to stay here and watch it. I just, it's so easy for me to do that. I get it. But church is actually supposed to have some difficulty to it because you're supposed to come in here and I'm supposed to challenge you to do something. I'm supposed to go, hey, let's go out and do this. Like what I'm going to tell you now is let's go out and do the work that God has called us to do. Let's go out and, 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 and let's go reach, you know, let's go reach whatever we need to do. You start looking and go, let's go reach kids out here. You, you know, how many of you guys have had this experience with this group of teenagers that's on their bikes and they just ride down the streets, right? How many of you guys have had that experience? Anybody had it where you just seen them and there's like 40 of them and they're just like, hey, we're going to take over whatever street that we're on. And, and, uh, and, and they do. It's like crazy to me. I'm like watching it. I'm like, I'm like, wow. Like, like I, like I would never thought as a kid to do that. Right. Cause I would have just been like, they would have ran me over. I'm like, oh, it's just, that's what it would happen. And us, we're, we've gotten to this point where we don't, but here's the problem. They're doing that cause they have nothing else to do. Right. They're doing that because they have nothing else to do. Nothing that's actually going to reach them. Nothing that's going to talk to them. No, nobody, nobody that's helped guiding them. Nobody that's trying to expose them to a relationship with Jesus. Nobody's trying to do that. All we're trying to do is go, you, you kids, you know, why are you doing this? Get out of the middle of the road. And we complain about it on next door. We complain about it on Facebook. We get all these different places and we're like, oh, I'm so upset about it. What are you doing to change it without being that typical Christian where you're so judgmental, you're so this, you're so that. Why are you being so mean? Why are they this? Why? Why? What are we doing to help? You know, one of the things that bothered me the most, I don't know if you remember in 2008 here in Solano County, 2008, 2011, or through 2011, they were going to cancel all athletics here. All athletics were going to be canceled. And and so for me, I was like, oh, well, what are we going to do to make it to where athletics can? Because if I didn't have athletics in high school, it would have been bad. Yeah. I was already gluing mailboxes shut before I got to high school. I mean, I was out there with the neighbors. I was taking it. I was gluing mailboxes. If I didn't have sports, it would have been terrible. Who knows what I would have done. I, you know, I, I might have become friends with somebody that would have been really bad influence on me, and we might have did some things that were catastrophic. I, you know, like we had an anarchist cookbook. We only got to like page three of it. We could have been really deep into it. I, I mean, but that's how it is. That's what, you know, you got to think about this. Is what are we doing to help change that? How, what, are we, what have we provided for them? Have you guys noticed? There's nothing here for kids. There's nothing. You know, when you're, some of you if, you, if you've been in Fairfield long enough, some of you are part of that group. Anybody remember a roller rink? Anybody remember a bowling alley? Anybody? Did, did, I don't know if Fairfield ever had a boys and girls club. Did they ever have a boys club here? A teen club? You know... No, we have the, you know what we have now is we have the PAL Center, right? You know, and, and what teenager wants to go hang out with the police? <laughs> I mean, I just, just, just a simple question. You know, like what, poli- what teenager wants to go hang out? Hey, it's the police activities league. Yeah, I want to go to that. You know, like, I mean, you know, just think about this and go, why, what are we doing to change those things? What are we doing to fix that? What are we doing to make it to where... You know, like we're going, why are these kids doing this? Because they have nothing else to do. Both of their parents are working in order to be able to pay the bills so that they can just make it through life. 
You, you know, it's not the 1950s where one person's home and the other one's working or, or there's just all these abundances of services that are happening. No, people are struggling just to pay the bills, put groceries on the table. These kids, all summer long, they go, oh, let's go out and let's ride our bikes. Let's go out and have fun. I know, you know, I mean, it's just how it is. And so we have to be thinking about what are we doing? How are we reaching them? How, and, and how do we have something that, it, that not only are we reaching them, but it's something they actually want to go do? Right? You can't be like, hey, hey, all you guys, I, you know, roll down the window as they're passing by, flipping you off, going, hey, why don't you come to church with me? They're not going to want to do that. You've got to figure out how do you reach them? How do you reach people far from God? We had, a lo- we had a line that we used to use all the time here, and I've gotten really bad about using it. So here's the thing. If you have an idea, I want to hear about your idea. Because we've always said that we will do anything short of sin to reach people for God. We will do anything short of sin to reach people for God. So if you go, hey, this is one of my ideas, and let's do it. If somebody came to me years ago and said, hey, let's do a Christian nightclub. Let's do it. But you have to lead it. I'll support you. That's what it is. You, you have to lead it. You come to me with that idea. I want to do a Christian nightclub. By all means, but you have to lead it. Let's do this. Let's do these things. I, by all means, I will, help, I will help support it. We will do anything short of sin to reach people for God. And I will also tell you, <laughs> I am a bet the farm thinker, and this church is a bet the farm church. We will bet the farm in order to reach people for God. And, you know, and sometimes it pays off, and sometimes it doesn't. But... But we're going to continue doing it because we're going to step out in faith. All, so here's the thing. God never asked us to step, to, to be, to, to, he never said, hey, I really, really want you to be cowards. That's what he said. He's never said that. He, said, he never said, I want you to be a coward. So I want you to step out in faith. I want you to do the work. And if I've called you to it, I want you to step out on him. And he called Peter out of the boat onto water. And Peter goes, okay. It wasn't until he took his eyes off of Jesus that he started to sink. And so as long as we keep our eyes on Jesus and we have faith, then we will continue to walk on the water that he's asked us to walk on in the direction of him. And so we will step out and we will do what he's called us to do and we will bet the farm to do it. And so I just want you to know that. So as you start to go, Mike, what are you doing? One of our key foundation things is that we will bet the farm. And we will laugh while doing it, by the way. We will have fun with it. And and, and that's kind of just how our, our mindset is here. And so... I've had questions, right? You know, because we go as we're. So, just want to let you guys know, we are moving forward and buying a building, right? That's what's happening. We're moving that. We're moving in that direction. And as we're moving in that direction, uh, as I have more details for you, as far as as all of it's going to work out. I mean, I can give you the address and stuff. I choose not to put it out online. And so, if you're watching at home and you're like, "Where are they going?" But if you want to know, come talk to me afterwards. If you want to go take a tour of the place, you want to see what future plans are going to be, talk to me. We'll make it happen. So that's number one. Number two, you may be going, well, Mike, this is where we're at right now. Where we're moving is going to be cheaper than where we're at right now, and we're going to be able to do so much more ministry, and we're going to be able to do so much more stuff that it's going to be one of these things that you're going to look and go, I, well, Mike, what, what took us so long? And so here's the thing I want to tell you is that as a church, we've ridden a roller coaster, right? We've had highs, and we've had lows. And the problem was, is that we've been riding a thrill ride. I've, I've, been, telling you, I've been telling people, is that as a church, we were, in this last week, some of our, I, was, I used this analogy in somebody's relationship. But, but we've been riding a thrill ride. We've had these highs, and then we've had these, these plummets, and then, you know, and then we did a couple somersaults, and we did you know, corkscrews, and then we did some loops. But what it really is, is that we did all of that because God needed us to do that in order for us to get to the position where we are now. So he had to close certain doors in order for us to in order for us to go. Okay, well that's not where we we're supposed to be. I tried to force us into certain places, 
And Will, you said the board said yes to it. Of course the board said yes to it. And so we said, oh, yeah, the board said yes to this. And then we moved into that place, and, we've had, and, they, and then all of a sudden we had everybody against us. I can tell you right now, in this place, nobody's going to be against us. It's all before us. And so, th so when I look at this and I go, well, those doors had to close in order for us to be able to get to this open door. And so I, as, I step, as I step out and go, okay, well, how is this going to work? How is it all going to look? How's it, is it going to take work? Of course it's going to take work. Anything that you're going to do for Jesus is going to take work. But now, as we're moving in that direction, we're doing it with a path of going, I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus, just like all of you need to have your eyes on Jesus, and to step out and move in that faith and go, okay, well, God, this is what you've called us to do. This is the direction you've called us to go. This is how you want us to do things. But I can tell you right now, it does not involve you sitting at home on the couch. I can tell you that right now. There is too many people in this community that need to be reached, that need to hear the gospel, that need to hear all these things, and it's our job to equip you to go out and reach them. That's what it is. It's our job to equip you to be an evangelist. It's our job to equip you to do those things, to, to be able to go, hey, I feel comfortable talking to somebody about my faith. And you don't even have to give them, uh, you don't even have to give them the long version. You can give them a short version and be like, this is who I was and look who I am now. This is who I was and look at where I'm at now. It's simple as that. Do you, are you perfect? No. None of us are perfect, but some of us have been, we've been riding the roller coaster and now that we're following Jesus, the roller coaster has gotten to where it's more of a kiddie roller coaster rather than a thrill ride. And so we've changed it up a little bit. That's all. I'm going to close in prayer, and then I'm sure that somebody's going to come up and give some more announcements and do some more things, and, and we're going to do some offering and those things. So uh, let's, let's close in prayer. Uh, Father, thank you. Thank you for equipping us to do the work that you've asked us to do, allowing us to just find the right exposure, to, the, to, to, to the right people that we need to be around, to see the things that we are called to do. Father, thank you for a church that'll, that'll help equip us, that'll help that'll help say here that we'll help you give the tools to do what you've been called to do and god we just thank you for all of this time that we've had this this the doors that you've opened the way that you've said hey this is what i want you to go here and the, the doors that you've slammed in our face preventing us from going away from where you've actually called us to be now we may be going to a place that's much more that, that needs the light brought to it and that's where you've called this church to be to be the edge where people can come when they're just hanging on, to be able to come in the door and find purpose, to find new direction, to find a new place for them, to find and hang on with you. And as you'll help them up and as you'll help guide them to the path that you've asked them to be on, Father, most of us have been on the edge for a long time, on the edge of a relationship, on the edge of an addiction, on the edge of, of our finances. And so, Father, we ask that you pull each one of us up to where we're not just on the edge, but we're helping pull other people up from being on the edge. Father, we ask that you help us love the way that you loved. Help us love the way that Jesus loved, that he, he, that he was willing to give, and that he was willing to, 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 to give the shirt off of his back, and he was willing to, to feed those that were hungry. Help us, help us be that, that, that love, that we're known for how we love, not known for our, how we judge or how we, how, we, how we look at certain things or how we're conservatives or over-the-top liberals. Help us be the one that they can just see that we are Christians based upon how well we love one another. Father, breathe new life into some of our relationships. Breathe new life into the relationships that we even have with you. Allow us to be reignited, reinvigorated, to do the work that you've asked us to do. Instead of looking at it and going, I'm so tired, or I'm, 
I, I, I haven't, I've been spinning my wheels for so long. Allow us, to be re, allow us to have this new fire that starts in our soul that we burn at even a hotter passion than we ever did when we were first Christians or anywhere along the pathway that now we have this new fire that's burning within us to drive us to this new direction. Father, we ask that as we step out on faith, as we step out into a new direction, as we step out into what you've called us to do, that we stay focused on you. That we know that when we, when we cast our gaze away, that when we look in a different direction, or when we get caught up in the squirrel running by, that we start to sink at that point. And so, Father, we ask that you, you help us stay fixed on your purpose for our lives, and your purpose for this church, and on your purpose for this community and this world. Father, thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So I, I know that it's, it's always a rough transition to go from that 